Hey, this is Kevin Weatherby at Save the Cowboy. I want you to tow that stirrup, throw a leg over the candle, take a deep seat, and pull your hat down tight. I ain't gonna tolerate no whining or griping, so let's all strike a long trot down that narrow trail and learn how to ride with God. Come on! What you waiting on? Let's go. We got some new people here, uh, maybe first time, uh, so, so I have to fill it in. I know some of you already know this, but I, I've got... I've got two horses that I ride pretty consistently. Got a third one that's working on it. But one of I've got a gray mare named Fiona. She's one of the most famous horses on the internet. Infamous, maybe more like it. But I, I've got another brown horse, and his name used to be Taser. Whenever I picked him up, that's the worst name I've ever heard for a horse in my entire life. Taser. So I changed it. Well, I wasn't sure exactly what I was going to change it to. You know, you got to look at a horse. You know, I mean. You gotta size them up. I mean, the horse has to fit its name. You know what I mean? And so I was looking at him and I said, Man, he's a good looking horse except for his butt and his head. So I called him Butthead, okay? <laughs> so that's my horse's name is Butthead. And, and it, it's a compliment, right? I mean, you look between his, you know, between his shoulder and his hip, he looks real good. So anyway, uh, and, and he's been a good horse for, for uh, about a year that I've had him, but uh, uh, a couple of weeks ago, I went out to catch him, and he acted like a darn fool. I mean, just, uh, I, I, I went in, and it took me a little while to catch him. He was running around acting like an idiot, and I tried to put the halter on him, and he is doing like this. And so first thing, I'm like, okay, something's, is he hurt? Well, he wasn't acting hurt, he wasn't lame, he wasn't limping, he wasn't doing nothing. So anyway, I got the halter on him, and I led him over to the trailer, and I went to tie him up. I mean, I no more got that, that fool tied up. I mean, he tried to break the lead rope. Just, I mean, just sat back, nearly tipped the whole trailer over, because he's big horse. He's like 16'7". He's like There's about four cowboys in here, I can tell. <laughs> <laughs> no, anyway, he, he's a big horse, and he tried to tip that trailer over. I mean, he just yanked back on it, and I was like, whoa, he got it untied, and what's the matter with you? And it got to be so bad, he wanted to go with these other horses that I finally, I mean, I, I was fixing to be late for a day-working job, so I finally just loaded him up in the trailer, and I thought, I'll saddle him whenever I get there. You know, I didn't want to have a wreck, and he wanted to beat the other horses, and man, I did, I've seen herd-bound horses before, but I'd never seen one just pick it up overnight. So anyway, I got out to Charlie Carnahan's, and I unloaded him. I thought everything was going to be better, but oh, no, he was still acting a fool. As a matter of fact, I tried to tie him up to the trailer again. He tried to, tried to pull back. I mean, you know, just, just freaking out. And I, I, It's okay if he breaks a halter. Well, it's not okay, but I mean, I can deal with it if he breaks a halter, but I was scared that the, that the big guy was going to fall down, you know, and... and choke and so I undid him it took me like 10 minutes to get this horse saddled I mean I had to hold the lead rope when I go to try to throw the saddle on he whinnies and like rears up I mean guys I, I'm not kidding you I, I've been a cowboy nearly my entire life I, I, I never remember not knowing how to saddle a horse and and I've had colts that never had saddles on that was easier to saddle than this big bay gelding so I finally get the, you know, you, you get the saddle blanket on, and then you go to throw the saddle up, and he jumps sideways, and then the saddle blanket falls off, so he farts and kicks at the saddle blanket and rears up again. I mean, this was a wreck. So I finally got him saddled, and, you know, I'm reaching under, and I'm trying to get it pulled tight, and he's backing up. I mean, he is throwing a wall-eyed fit. So I finally got the saddle at least, you know, one, 
where it's not going to come off. And so I got the bridle, and, and he's one of those horses that you can put your hand on top of his head and kind of give him a little cue, and he'll put his head down. Well, I guess he for, forgot what a cue was. Because you put his hand on his head, and I mean, he sticks his head up in the air, and I mean, he's a big old horse. And so I can't get the bit in. <sighs> I'm having one of those days, right? So I finally get the bit in, and I, and I start taking him across. And if you know where Charlie lives, you've you got to cross the road to get to the pins. And I'm leading him across the road. And I say leading because he is basically loping and rearing up like this across that road. Now... I fancy myself big, tough cowboy, you know, 6'2", 250, and uh, I hide it really, really well. I'm real compact. I'm a compact 6'4", 250, and, um, but I'm going to be honest with you, man, in, in the pit of your stomach, I don't care how big of a tough cowboy you are, you a liar if that little twinge of doubt doesn't go, <laughs> guess what's going to happen when you get on? And so, you know, I tried to squash it down. I'm like, oh, no, a, it, it should be all right. And so I get over there, and I, I, go, I go through the gate forward. He goes through the gate backwards. And so I get over there, and, and, and we're doing some stuff, and, it, and it's time to get on, right? That's like the, the witching hour, right? The twilight hour where everything, you know, it, it's kind of like my buddy Jay Kershey out of Texas says, you ain't a rider till you shake your face, Okay. You, you, can, you can call yourself a cowboy, but you ain't a cowboy till you in the saddle, all right? You, you can talk all you want from the ground and talk about how you used to ride when you was a kid. I don't care about none of that. I want to see you ride. Well, guess what? I had to get on this son of a gun. And so anyway, I'm over there, and I think, well, i got to get me another notch, or this ain't going to go very far at all. So I get me another notch, and it went about as well as you'd expect. I got me another notch, and I loop it through. And I was trying, my main concern at this point is, is not what might happen, but a horse can sense what's going on inside of you. And I'll be honest, man, I, I, I had that, that, that old doubt and that fear inside, you know, right behind that little button right there, it, it, was, it was smarting pretty hard. It, it was hollering out, hey, man, guess what's going to happen? Is this horse going to buck you off and everything? And the main thing I wanted to do when I put my foot in that stirrup and I threw a leg over the kennel was not to communicate that fear to that horse because what happens is when you communicate that fear to that horse, it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. One time I was, I was with my mentor, Ralph Hager, and he put me on his good bridle horse. And I'd never ridden a bridle horse before because when he said he's a bridle horse, I was like, well, all of my horses, you can ride them in a bridle. And he goes, that's not what I'm talking about, stupid. And so anyway, he let me ride this bridle horse, and I wasn't doing very good. And he said, come here. So I went over there, and he goes, that horse ain't bucked nobody off in 22 years, but he's fixing to buck you off if you don't relax. Because I'd been riding colts for so long. I mean, you, you, you get a little bracy, you know, whenever you, uh, you get on. And so anyway... Uh, I told that start, I throw a leg over the kennel, and I was like, everything was good, right? But he ain't walked off, right? Because that's the second part of being a cowboy. You can hit the saddle, but until you move, you ain't rode yet. You just sitting. So I thought, okay, relax. <sighs> um, right? And so he can bridle up and collect himself pretty good. And so I lifted up on the reins, and that old pony just ducked his nose, collected right off. And off we went. I'm a cowboy. I'm a cowboy. 
But, you know, we, we hadn't done nothing yet, right? We're still just riding off. Today, we are going to talk about fear. We've all had it. But how do you deal with it? How do you deal with fear? When those situations in life present themselves, how do we deal with it? Well, the first step in dealing with fear is to remain calm and try not to act afraid. Now, now, now bear with me for just a second while I try to, try to sound smart, okay? Fear is a feeling. Being afraid is an action, okay? You can't help how you feel, okay? You know, you know when, when, when I walk by my wife and those little, little butterflies go flippity-flop in her stomach? She can't help that. You know what I mean? That's a feeling, you know? We can't help how we feel sometimes, but we can choose how we act. Fear is a feeling. Being afraid is an action. The first step in dealing with fear is to remain calm. It doesn't matter what's going on in your stomach because I know that probably this week at some point in time, you you maybe felt that. And if you haven't felt that, I encourage you, step out of your comfort zone because, man, you ain't going to grow in a comfort zone. Step out. And and that fear, Jesus says, man, it's going to happen, but you don't have to let it control you. You can feel fear without acting afraid. Now, what, what did John Wayne say? Courage is being scared to death but saddling up anyway. I mean, that's kind of what being a cowboy is all about. And if I might dare say, it's a lot of what being a Christian is like too. There's going to be lots of things, man, when you, when, when you know what you should do and you start stepping out to go do that, you're going to have that little old button of fear start going off in your belly. But you just got to keep on keeping on. And the first step to dealing with that is remain calm. Because here's the deal. What fear does when we let it spill over into our actions and we start wigging out. Now, I know probably none of y'all ever wigged out, okay? Come watch me. I'm the, I'm the king of wigging out. You know, I, I, I lose it sometimes, right? But, uh, but I want y'all to learn from me because, you know, le- learning from... Learning from your own mistakes is good, but learning from somebody else's mistakes is better, right? Because then you ain't got to make them, right? But we have to remain calm because whenever we let that fear spill over into our actions, it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. Man, if I got in there and, boy, I gathered old butthead up like this and had his old chin right up here by my chin, you know, scared that he was going to do something and riding all stiff-legged and braced up, man, I'm going to make that horse scared to death and he's liable to do something then. Same thing. When you start feeling fear, man, just simmer down. Simmer down, sucker. You know what I mean? You can feel fear. Just don't act afraid, man. And sometimes we got to fake it till we make it, right? Bow that chest out. I ain't afraid, you know? And, I, and I've been there. I know. Been there. So I, after that, we got all the work done and, and, and everything went golden. Okay, he had a bad morning. I know ain't none of us ever had a bad morning, right? Not this afternoon, but I mean, and so anyway, co- uh, last week we were doing some stuff out at the Long X, and we had to we had to gather two cows and two calves, and so it was me and Ty and Brett and Gary, and so I went out there and I was like, well, I better ride old Budhead again because he's kind of acting like a Budhead. So I went out there and got him, and I got him saddled up all right. It wasn't no big deal. Cinched him up. Everything seemed to be fine, and. I stepped on him just like I have a million times, and we got off in the pasture, and we got down through there, and uh, we went through a gate, and 
Ty and Brett kind of hung back a second, and me and Gary went into the pasture to get the cows. And, man, when those other two horses stayed back and it was just me and Gary going out, uh, we took about four steps out into that pasture, and here he goes. Well, luckily, I'm kind of a ninja, and I'm a smooth talker, so I talked him out of it, right, because I'm kind of a chicken. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not 21 anymore. When you reach 23, you don't want to get bucked off anymore. You know what I mean? So uh, I'm not 21 anymore. So I kind of talked him out of it, and Gary's looking at me like, well, you better be careful because that's a big old horse. And so I'm trying, you know, I got that little, that little old button of fear starting to come back because, I mean, like I said, he, he about this big. When you're sitting on him, he seems about this big, especially when he's throwing a wall-eyed fit. And so I was you know, trying to be calm. You ought to hear my smooth-talking cowboy. It's okay, buddy. Everything's all right. <laughs> you know, don't buck me off, right? And so anyway, I asked him to go out. And it was kind of a wreck for about five minutes. And finally, I got him around the corner, and we got the cows pushed over to their calves that were bedded down. And then one of the cows started trying to jump the fence. So I hollered at Gary, I was like, come hold this horse. And so I bailed off and I jumped the fence and I got over there and kept her from jumping the fence. And, and then I went and got back on and it started all over again. Because if I thought it was bad leaving, it was twice as bad trying to go back. I mean, he was rearing up. I was turning circles. He was... I mean, when I say he was, he, he never just tried to pitch me off or anything, but they'll do this thing where they start humping up and you know it's coming, right? So I start talking him out of it, talking real sweet to him. I was talking Spanish, Chinese, the sarcasm, and, you know, I, I was doing everything I could to try to talk this big son of a gun from bucking me off. And, but one thing that I did is when we were going back, I mean, he was sitting there and he was like loping in place, like seriously, like, like, a, like a barrel horse, right? Y'all ever seen my impression of a barrel horse? Here's my, <laughs> we're gonna. <laughs> How do you spell gunu? <laughs> we're gonna. Here's my impression of a barrel horse. <laughs> That's what Butthead looked like, right? And so he's doing this. And so that little fear, it started metamorphosizing. I don't even know if that's a word, but today it's gonna be one. All right? It started becoming something else. I started getting mad. I had some leather poppers on the end of my range. I was going over and under this son of a gun. But I knew that that wasn't the Christian thing to do. It had nothing to do with me being scared he's going to buck me off, okay? That, wasn't, that didn't have nothing to do with it. But anyway, I started getting mad. And then that kind of metamorphosized into something else. I started doubting myself. I really did. I mean, what, what, what's going on? I mean, all, all, like some of my... Best friends are right out here watching my horse act like an idiot. What, what are they thinking of me? You know, I can't even control my horse. And so I turn him around. I try to go this way, and we kind of went that way. We did better going this way, pulled up, because then he'd run backwards. So it, it was just... And then, and then a third feeling came out. I started envisioning him in a can of Alpo. <laughs> and it was a strong feeling. And it was, a lot, it was like a lovely feeling. kind of filled me with some warmth, you know, to hear that can pop open. Old dog wagging his tail, waiting to eat old butthead. I was liking this. I really was. But to be honest with you, what I was most, the feeling that was most prevalent, I was getting discouraged. 
real discouraged. I didn't know what to do. I mean, I had a little bit of fear. Wasn't letting it control me, though. And I was mad. I was starting to doubt myself. I was having thoughts about my horse that you shouldn't be thinking about your horse. But you do. I was starting to get real discouraged. And that's the second step to dealing with fears. You can't get discouraged. You, 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 you can't get discouraged. It's easy. It is so, so easy. And the bad part about getting discouraged, and I don't know why, maybe this won't mean nothing to y'all, but what I picture discouragement as, my son, Jason Ray, he's our youngest boy from China that we adopted, he likes to get the box of dominoes and set them up. You know, where you tip them over and they... Right? Well, I've also got another son named Griffin that likes to get where he's got like four left and throw a shoe at his dominoes. <laughs> you want to see the picture of discouragement? One of these days, Jace Ray's going to take a baseball bat and just whip old Griffin. <laughs> but you know what? That's, I mean, that, but that's what discouragement does. It, you don't fail, but you got to start all over. And that's the bad part about discouragement is that when we start getting discouraged, we lose all of the progress that we've made. All of that controlling our fear and, and being scared but saddling up anyway and not communicating that fear and having a feeling but, but not acting out as afraid and, and making your whole ride that day. But when you get discouraged and you let it spill over into your actions then you lose all of the progress that you make. Discouragement takes, uh, discouragement is under fear. You know, you got fear up here, and, and discouragement is just a subset of that. And a subset of that is anger. I mean, is it possible to be discouraged or to be angry without being discouraged? That's probably the reason that we get angry, is we get discouraged and we don't know how to deal with it. We get mad. And if that's not bad enough, we start doubting ourselves. We start doubting our worth. We start doubting a bunch of stuff. Discouragement is horrible. Fear is horrible. Time and time and time and time again, God says, you don't have to let that control you. And we want to quit. We want to just, you know what, I'm done. I'm done. I, I don't know how many, you, you've probably said that about some situation. Maybe in the past, <laughs> this might be the first time you heard me preach and you've already said, I'm done with this. <laughs> I'm going to clap when he's done because I'm out of here, right? <laughs> I will, you know, whatever. But you know, don't quit, okay? Don't quit. Don't get discouraged. Don't get mad. Don't start doubting yourself. Don't let that fear spill over to where you start acting afraid and you start all of your fears become self-fulfilling prophecies. If you wake up one morning and you go, you know what, I can already tell today's going to be just a terrible bad day. Guess what you're going to have? You're going to have a terrible bad day, right? It happens. The minute that you allow yourself to get discouraged and you let that spill over into your actions, you just got to start all over. You, you start from square one. You don't fail. There's no failure but you just get to start back over. And, and the problem with that is sometimes we get tired of starting back over, so, so we just don't start back over. And then that cycle of quitting and not doing what we know we should do becomes a habit, and before too long, we're just not doing anything. Thursday, that's my granddaughter. <laughs> 
I recognize it. I call coyotes with her at home. She gets to she gets to crying when mama's not home, and I take her outside and I call coyotes up with her. Love you, Rome. And so anyway, Thursday, I had to go day work for Robert. I went out and fed, went back in, fed myself. That's what cowboys do. Drank me a glass of strawberry milk. Took my Flintstone vitamin. You can make fun of me all you want. That's good stuff. Come have breakfast with me. I'll give you a Flintstone. I got a whole bottle of them. Except the cars. Those are mine. <laughs> I'm getting off subject. But anyway, I, I, I was trying to delay the inevitable. Because I knew I had to go get a horse. And I had Fiona in this pen. And I had Butthead in this pen. And as I was walking out there, I knew I had a choice. Because I can walk out there real easy and get old Fiona. She ain't going to try to buck me off. She's going to do everything I ask her to do. She's going to be mad while she does it. Okay? She's going to have her ears pinned back. She's going to be mad the whole time, but she's going to do it. And it's going to be easy because, see, she's gentle. Like Ty said, that, that's the greatest color a horse there is, is gentle. And that's her. I had a choice to make. And I knew that that choice, none of y'all would know that that choice that I made. I could get Fiona, take her out there. Nobody would think twice about it. But you know who would know? Me. I knew that I was coming up with a million excuses. Do I take Fiona or do I take Butthead? How many times do you want to take the easy way out? And boy, you can talk yourself into it and you can justify everything. And no, I'm not going to go talk to that guy about Jesus because, because of this and this and this and this and this. No, I'm not going to go to church today because, man, it's a beautiful day and, and we can go out and ride and, and, and blah, blah, blah. And, I, and I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with any of that except the part where you have to make an excuse for not doing what God is calling you to do. How many times do we take the easy way out because we don't know how to deal with fear, that we let that fear spill over into being afraid, that we get discouraged, we get mad, we start doubting ourselves, we want to just give up. We just want to go get Fiona. And make our lives easy. That morning, I let myself down. I let myself down. I let myself give in to fear, to doubt, to a lot of things, to excuses. And I gave in for one full step. And then I said, uh-uh. That ain't the man I am. I walked right out there and I got that halter and I went to Budhead's pen. I put that halter on him just like I have a million times. I led him to the trailer, dropped the lead rope right there on the ground because he knows he's ground tied. I saddled him up like it was no big deal, loaded him on the trailer, went to Roberts. We moved most of the cattle across the road. We might have spilled some four or five miles down each side, but it's, we got most of them back. If you see something with like a little, looks like a cow skull, call us. No, we got them. We got them. And then Robert says, hey, y'all mind, we got about a dozen calves left to tag. Now, we're going to brand the next day. <laughs> you try to tag calves when they're these cute little things that you can walk up, and they look at you with the long eyelashes and just lay there. These are like teenagers on speed. Okay? They're 4,000 pounds and run as fast. And he's like, let's, let's tag the rest of these cows. That little twinge of fear. Butthead's doing good so far, right? But we ain't gone wide open, and I'm tied on hard and fast today, boys. <sighs> you know what? Just grin and go full stupid, right? That's my motto. Just, just do it. So there was this one time that, that I get out there, and, and he said, we, we, we kind of let them pair up and everything, and, and we're sitting there, and he says, you know, 
We sit there for probably an hour letting them pair back up, you know, because you have to have the tag match the mama, okay? So you have to know the cow's number before you can rope the calf. So we're sitting there letting them pair up, and I've got some popped out or spotted and everything. So he said, all right, boys, rope them. So I go in there, and I throw seven of the prettiest loops right in the dirt that you've ever seen in your life. <laughs> While everybody's watching, right? Not even, I mean, like one time, I was in and amongst 150 cows, and I didn't hit anything. <laughs> there was one point that I couldn't have roped Butthead's head. And everybody's watching. And, you know, I'm, I'm like, <laughs> my arm's getting sore from coiling up. And I'm like, good grief. So I, I did. I finally caught a few of them and everything. And then we let them drift up to this other tank. And we had just like two left. We only had two left. And me and old Jace Angus, we, we had us one picked out. He was a kind of a motley-faced brown spawn of Satan. And... Um, and so Jace kind of headed him towards me, and I was hiding behind a tree, right? <laughs> I was going to do some, some um, ambushing, right? And so I'm like, and he come out, and I tried to throw, I was fixing to throw at him, and he saw him, and he bails off into the water like Michael Phelps or something. He swims out there to the middle. I get mad, and I chunk my old rope out there. Of course, I'm tied on, so it's not very long. It just goes like the corner out there. Well, that old calf starts, he starts coming out right at me. I'm like... Oh my gosh, here he comes, like a big fish. And I'm trying to build my loop and everything, and he gets past me right as I'm building. And I whirl old butthead, and for the first time, we pour the spurs to him. And here we go. There goes the calf, there goes butthead, and we are flying over the rim of this tank or pond, whatever y'all people call them. And so anyway, we go up over it, and butthead has his radar lock on. He's got his ears pinning his nose out. It's like old times, baby. Old times. And that old spawn of Satan takes a right-hand turn. Old Budhead, he's in the right lead. He follows right after him. And we get to a yucca about this big. And Budhead says, uh-uh. I ain't going around it. God's timing is incredible. Because the only good shot I had was when Budhead was about this high off the ground. So I took it, midair, and I caught. I was like, yes! But Ed turned around and high-fived me. It was crazy. He's like, uh, right? And so I caught him, jerked my slack, held it up in the air so we didn't hit it. High-five, butthead. We turned left. That old calf spun around. Jace come around the corner and went, what? Picked up two feet, dallied, and we went, oh, yeah, victory. We turned around and nobody saw it. <laughs> Not a stinking person saw it. They were all over there talking. Story of my life. It is the story of my life. I was victorious that day. You can be too. You know why? Because it was cumulative. When I went out to Charlie's, man, I could have let that fear spill over into acting afraid and communicating that to my horse. But I didn't. Because during this whole process, the one thing that I kept praying over and over and over is God helped me and God strengthened me. I heard a guy one time say that he asked his daughter to pray one night before supper and she said, okay. And they sat there and they all held hands and they bowed their heads 
and nothing happened. So, you know, you kind of did the one-eye peak prayer, you know? He opened up one eye, and he looked at her, and she finally went, God help us. Amen. <laughs> and it was great prayer, right? And that's, that was kind of my big heavenly father. I was like, God, help me, help me, give me strength, you know. But, but I was victorious that day. And it may not mean nothing to y'all, but it meant something to me. Because I had been through a lot, and I didn't get afraid. I didn't let that spill over into action. And, and I didn't let myself get discouraged. I knew that that old devil was lying and trying to beat me down, and I wasn't going to take it. And you don't either. You want to know how to deal with fear? You don't be afraid. It's okay to feel fear, but don't act afraid. Don't get discouraged. There's, look, look, here's, here's a memo. It's not going to go the way you want it. It's not going to happen. So don't get discouraged when it doesn't happen. Okay? And you will be victorious when you ask God to help you and strengthen you. You want to know why? It's not because Kevin came up with this cool little illustration about his horse and, and all of that. It ain't about that. You want to know how I know that you'll be victorious? It's because God says it. In Isaiah chapter 41, verse 10, he says, Do not be afraid, for I am with you. He says, Don't be discouraged, for I am your God. He says, I will strengthen you, and I will help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. I know y'all have been going through some stuff. You don't think that I can see it from up here? Looking down, crossed arms, I can see it. And you know who else can see it? God can see it. And you know what he wants? He wants you to call on him for help and strength. And he's telling you right now, it's a cumulative effort. Don't be afraid, even if you feel fear. Don't get discouraged, even when stuff isn't going your way. And you will be victorious when God strengthens you and helps you. And he's going to. Because there's only one thing in all of creation, in all of eternity, that God cannot do. Do you know that? I have found something that God cannot do. And that's go back on his word. He can't do it. He won't do it. It's impossible. And he wants to help you, and he wants to strengthen you with what you're going through right now. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. For he is with you, and he is your God, and he wants to strengthen and help you. Let's go to God in prayer. God, we have all had some buttheads in our lives. We have situations, people, circumstances, and problems that just scare the tar out of us. God, let us focus on you because you are always with us. Let us know that you are God and you are in control and to understand that you want to help us and strengthen us in order to give us victory, not for any of our glory, but to show us that you are a mighty God. But this promise is only for those that believe in you and have faith in you above all else. God, we need your help and we need your strength to have that kind of faith. God, there's some people that are calling out to you right now, and I know that you're answering. God, I pray that their lives are changed, and it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.